Hi there, you're listening to the Crunchy Catholic Podcast. I'm your host, Rosie, traditional Catholic wife and mother, bringing you messages of hope and encouragement during these crazy times that we're in. Here we'll talk about faith, motherhood, and natural living, but also all the areas in between. I want to help you not just survive motherhood, but thrive in it. In this day and age, we have so many resources at the tip of our fingers if only we put in the effort. I am a firm believer in personal development and always striving to put our best foot forward. Sometimes that means the more technical matters like baby wearing or sleep training, but it also refers to the most important matters such as prayer life and living out the truths of our Catholic faith. While all these resources are nice, I also know that it can be a bit overwhelming knowing where to even begin. That's why I'm here to help you find the balance between all the things that come with mom life while also living out your Catholic faith in a way that is pleasing to God and effective to the development of your soul and the souls of your children. After all, that's why we're here. All right, without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Crunchy Catholic Podcast. I am a little bummed that it took me over a month to record another episode since the last time I recorded an episode. I totally, totally am intending for these to be more frequent, hopefully eventually a weekly thing, but I have just been working on so many different products, which is a good a good thing to be happening, and it's all very exciting. And eventually, what I'm hoping things will look like is I'll have most of those products kind of already figured out, up and running, and that will leave me more time to do the the podcasting, which really is what I enjoy and what I get so much good feedback from and just is kind of a good way to keep the ball rolling as far as continuing to gain uh, followers and members of our Facebook community and so on. I'm going to apologize ahead of time that I am officially 34 weeks pregnant and I don't realize until I go and like talk for a very long time in a row, I don't realize how much such a big belly actually leaves me kind of out of breath. It sounds really silly, but if you've been pregnant, then you know. Um, I can talk to someone just fine, but that's because it's a dialogue. But if I go and record a monologue, which is what a podcast is then I find myself needing to stop and take a second and take a breath. So I'm just going to let you know and be super honest. So here we go. I am going to share with you 10 tips for a better marriage. And I'm going to preface this with saying that I've kind of had it as an idea to either do a podcast episode or even just start talking more about it on my social media platforms, crunchy Catholic social media platforms for quite a while. And I feel like talking about marriage is so like taboo and it's really weird because I mean, it's not weird. It's understandable. So we talk about motherhood so, so, so much, right? We share and vent and commiserate about all the things that make motherhood challenging, like when our kids aren't sleeping at night or when they're going through different stages like sleep regressions or terrible twos or you know, starting to get that attitude by age three, four, five, and then the teenage years, which obviously my kids haven't hit that yet, but we have no problem talking and sharing with each other about all that motherhood entails. But when it comes to marriage, of course, it's very different because we have 
our our better half who were trying not to I guess break that trust if you will it's it's one thing to talk about your two-year-old kicking and screaming because that's extremely behaviorally normal like that's super sorry not behaviorally that behavior is super developmentally normal for a two-year-old even though it's extremely hard to deal with it's also very normal and common so when you're sharing something like that you don't feel like you're bad mouthing your kid and that goes for almost everything that we talk about with motherhood challenges so when our kids are having a hard time sleeping at night or when our four-year-old I keep saying four-year-old because now my little four-year-old has like this attitude that I'm like where did this come from you were such a sweet three-year-old oh my goodness anyways um when we talk about them having attitude or when we talk about really anything so much of it is very 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 relatable to most other moms because so much of it is developmentally normal for that age and even if it isn't developmentally common say you have a kid on the spectrum or with special needs of some sort it still isn't something that would be considered like you're not bad mouthing your kid for sharing those things you're sharing those things to gain advice and help so when it comes to marriage it feels very different because we're talking about you know another adult it's not like just our kid who's five and isn't going to have any clue that you shared this about them or whatever it's our spouse and so there's a the weird yucky feeling of like talking about them and then b the weird yucky feeling of are they going to come across this that I shared or whatever. Some people don't have that fear and it's a little bit concerning. <laughs> I think there's definitely definitely a level of uh, respect for your spouse that you should have as far as like there's a healthy type of venting that maybe occasionally needs to happen with a very very small trusted circle or maybe just one person and then there's like people who have no problem blasting their spouse and I think that is a problem um I don't really think there's any arguing that I think that that is wrong (laughs) and there's actually a lot of groups I'm a part of that I'm very shocked how okay people are with sharing so much about their spouse and I get it sometimes it's like hey I'm asking for advice here's what happened blah 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 and then there's just total like needless bashing and venting anyways I guess it's a little bit of a slippery slope there to determine what is and isn't okay and now a lot of these Facebook groups have this anonymous feature that some people have started to utilize a lot and I can see how that would be helpful but I even think anonymous or not anonymous I think that there's a lot to be said about the convenience of social media and how I guess used to we have all become being able to just share things that maybe should have just been taken to God first and I know that might sound a little harsh but really I just I honestly like I know certain people who I see posting a lot whether it's in a group or a friend or what have you And sometimes I'm just like, man, I just, I pray for them and I pray for the grace for them to realize that this is not helping. (laughs) Like when you post for advice in a huge group and you're getting hundreds of comments, most of them are like opposing each other. 
it is so overwhelming. I can't even imagine how that person feels when they're getting all these different answers, not to mention just the time alone spent writing up that post, going through all the comments, answering all the comments. And I'm sorry that this is becoming quite a tangent because this might not really apply to a lot of you listeners, but maybe it does apply to at least a few. I really, really hope and pray that people who do make a habit of that can stop and take a step back and realize that that might not be the healthiest thing because the way you're going to write your problem is definitely going to be very one-sided. It is. You can try and say that you're being very unbiased and that you're including the whole story, but human nature, we're not. We're going to be sharing our side of the story and therefore all the comments and responses, I mean, some of the things I read are just ridiculous. It's like, you need to leave. You need to get out of that relationship. These are the things that I read someone else posting. And it's like their husband being the least bit, you know, just human nature. And everyone's responses are just so extreme. So it's so unhealthy to be in that habit. And I hope that if anyone listening is in that position, or maybe eventually you one day would have leaned toward it, maybe you'll reconsider and consider spending that same amount of time that you would have spent involving yourself in a post like that and instead take your problems to God and, you know, self-reflection and all that. Okay, on to the 10 tips. Sorry for all those tangents. What are we at? About 10 minutes in here. It's okay. That was all very important. Tip number one, be selfish. This might sound really weird, uh, but what I mean by it is taking care of yourself. And it's actually weird that I'm starting to hear kind of two different ways of this nowadays. Like some people are saying, oh, that's so feministic to put yourself first. Your spouse should absolutely be first. I mean, I, I totally get that. Like I get that, you know, there might be certain instances where you're like, oh, I like this meal, but he likes this meal, so I'm going to prepare his meal, and I'm not going to say anything, and, you know, that's putting him first. Okay, that's great. That's a very kind and wifely thing to do, but what I mean is knowing what things fill your cup and making sure to stay on top of that, because how are you supposed to show up as a good wife, a caring wife, a loving wife, a wife who's energetic enough to you know, take care of the home and the children and the husband, whether you're stay at home or working, how are you supposed to do all those things if you are completely neglecting yourself? If you're neglecting yourself, whether that's, you know, how you're eating or not doing any of the things that you enjoy anymore because, oh, woe is me, I'm a mom now and I have to just take care of my kids and do nothing else. If you are neglecting yourself in that way or in any way, you are going to be an unhappy person. So how can you share and spread happiness in your marriage if you are not feeling happiness yourself? It sounds really like a no-brainer, but it is so often overlooked. So a few examples for me personally are eating right and staying on top of like my vitamins, electrolytes, staying hydrated, all that stuff. It sounds really basic, but that's all like extremely important and a huge foundation to having good energy levels and so on. 
And then secondly, as an example for me, like staying on top of the house, the organization, the cleanliness, the kids, myself, like getting out of the house, doing the fun things that I know the kids enjoy and that make me feel like a good mom. All those things that just being being good at being a mom and being good at being a housewife, all those things that I know if I don't do, they'll put me in kind of a crabby mood because I'll feel like I'm not doing good enough. All of those things, getting to the sacraments, staying, staying consistent with my prayer life. So a lot of those are actually the exact reasons why I have um, the products that I have on my website. Like I have a rosary bracelet because that is what has totally helped me remain consistent with my prayer life. And I have a morning routine book because that that I created for myself and now sell is completely what was a total game changer on starting my day off right and being in a good mood and then staying on top of the house. I have the online course coming up that is going to be all about like house cleaning, organizing your day, your time and staying on top of all the things. Lastly, as like a cherry on top of doing things that fill your cup is having like an extra thing. So for some people that might be maybe I know some people really get into shows. I personally don't have like a nighttime show routine that I get into, which is totally fine for people who do. That's like their thing. That's their me time. That's what fills them up. That's what gives them something to do that feels like it's just for them and not like part of being a mom or a wife or, you know, a daughter or a friend. Like it's just specifically for them. Some people it might be playing guitar at night or some people it might be I don't know, going out once a week for coffee with a friend or something like that. Something that's like a little extra on top of just the regulars. For me, honestly, having uh, this business and having the community that I have built and having something that is a way to put to use my talents and my creativity and all of that fun stuff, that is what really, really, really fills me up like some nights I get a little bit oh man all these you know all these people posting about this new show or this new season or whatever and I start to feel a little weird I'm like am I weird for not like having a nightly show time because for them that's their me time and then I realize no like having this business this is my thing this is my me time this is my way that I I kind of had a hard time adjusting originally uh, becoming a mom, going from having such a such a career type life. I had many years in hotel management experience and to go from having all of that, being in charge of so many people, being so looked up to, having so many responsibilities and quite honestly being really good at all of it, it was very, very weird to go to motherhood where I didn't feel like I was really, really good at all of it. And I didn't feel like I was in control of everything. And I didn't feel like I was totally looked up to. And it was such an adjustment. And I know so many people can relate to that. So I'm just here to say that having this business and having a means of, again, putting to use my talents and creativity has been so life-changing. Like it really, really just lights me up. Not to say it's a piece of cake and not to say it doesn't take discipline to, you know, accomplish all the things. It's hard work, but it is, it's a challenge and it's like trying to meet these goals that really, really just lights my soul on fire. So honestly, 
that is what I'm including as my example of my extra thing, but that's gonna look different for everyone. Okay, moving on to number two. Sorry that number one took so long. I don't think they'll all be this long. <laughs> number two is consistent prayer life. So I really think oftentimes we underestimate the importance of prayer specifically for certain intentions. So not just saying like, oh yeah, I say my prayers every day, but actually looking and acknowledging, okay, am I saying certain prayers for my children? Am I saying certain prayers for my spouse? Am I saying certain prayers for my marriage? And not even just generically praying for my spouse, praying for my marriage, but like specifically praying for whatever it is currently in your season that you think might need some improvement. So whether that's for you to have the grace to not be so naggy or whatever the issue may be, or whether you want to pray for the grace for your spouse, for whatever it is they may be struggling with, just really getting extremely specific about what you're praying for. So I think that about wraps up prayer life being super, super consistent. I will add that specifically the daily rosary has been something that has been literally life-changing for me. And again, that is why I have the rosary bracelet as part of the products that I offer because it is just, it's something that has helped me to be more consistent with my daily rosary. And with that consistency has come just so many blessings and so many graces that are like undeniably a result of being consistent specifically with the daily rosary. So that is something that I absolutely if you don't already pray your daily rosary, absolutely recommend that and attaching the intentions of, you know, whatever it is you specifically want to pray for. So number three being mindset. So mindset with regards to trying to have a good marriage is huge, 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 huge. It's crazy to me that so many people are so willing to read so many, I just said so many like a hundred times, <laughs> people are willing to read so many books listen to podcasts, etc., etc., on all these different areas like motherhood, how to be healthy, how to have a good pregnancy, how to get your body back after baby, all these different things. But when it comes to marriage, sometimes it's actually like overlooked and you just think, oh, you know, I married this person because I love them and I'm obviously married for life. So what, what good is there to read up on anything? I don't know. It's weird. It's almost like People don't think it's necessary to have to put in any additional effort other than when problems arise. Then when problems arise, they're like scrounging for resources when really it should be something that we're proactively constantly trying to improve on regardless of if our marriage is doing good or bad. So what do I mean by mindset? I don't just mean with regards to your marriage, but I also mean just with regards to yourself and understanding your own self, your own tendencies, your own strengths and weaknesses. Because if you think about it, in most cases, people are getting married like early to mid to maybe late 20s. But we're not like that's still pretty young. That's still very young. And there's a lot of development that has yet to even take place. And so understanding our our changing self, not just our ourself and the moment that we got married but our changing self for example I I am very different than who I was when we first got married just because of my life experiences of having 
my working years and then now my motherhood years and the things that set me off now are different than the things that used to set me off and the things that fill me up now are different than the things that used to fill me up. So just really, really constantly working on that self-awareness and growth mindset is another term that you might come across. So growth mindset, meaning constantly striving to be better and do better, not just settling for where you're currently at, but always trying to learn more about yourself and about the world around you and so on and so on. A few things that might be a big factor into your marriage is not just your strengths and weaknesses, but also like childhood experiences and lifetime experiences. So whether as a child or as a teen or as a young adult before you got married, reviewing and being aware of anything that may have happened in your life that might have an impact on how you view, perceive, and react to things now. So I know that might sound a little abstract and to some it might apply, to others it might not. If you feel like you might be someone who that really, really, really applies to, but you just have no idea how to go about navigating that, then that is where something like counseling might be something for you to consider. And I really think, I think the world is doing a lot better with the stigma of counseling. It definitely used to be like, oh, you're in counseling. Are you like crazy or something? Like literally counseling was viewed as so, oh, something must be wrong with that person if they're going to counseling. Like what happened that they need counseling, which is really crazy and really sad. But I think I think it's really not like that anymore. I think a lot of people have totally opened up about, oh, you know, I'm going to counseling and I think it's becoming very normal and accepted and totally like I I commend people who do it because it takes definitely a huge step of courage and humility and, you know, it's not the easier road. The easier road is to just do nothing about whatever it is that needs addressing, the harder road is to actually address your problems and deal with it. So whether or not counseling is for you, just being open to constantly developing and improving your mindset and your self-awareness and recognizing what things might be your own strengths and weaknesses that might be making you react or perceive to certain situations as you know, maybe more or less extreme than they actually are. Number four, temperament. So this is a little bit related to mindset, but really this is more so referring to like temperament slash personality and recognizing that we're all very different. There's a lot of books and resources out there about you know, like how different the male brain versus female brain operates. And in addition to just male versus female, there's also the different temperaments and also the different personalities. A book that actually was recommended to me actually by a priest at my church is called The Temperament God Gave My Spouse. And I haven't finished it cover to cover, but I have uh, opened it up quite a few times. And the times that I have, I was very very just like kind of shocked and very pleased with what I found. It was definitely things that I had never even really thought of before where I'm like, okay, the things that I am seeing one way, he is totally seeing the other way. And it really just opens your eyes to see like, okay, these disagreements we're having isn't because 
he's out to get me or isn't because we're not meant to be together or we're not compatible. All these crazy thoughts that us women can sometimes jump to and instead allows you to see things very logically and be like, okay, temperaments and personalities and even just differences of male, female is a very, very real thing. It's not some abstract concept. It's very accurate. That's why there's all these personality tests and, you know, people will score basically the same again and again and again because we pretty much, we have our set uh, temperament and personality and it explains why certain people within friend groups will get along versus people who clash and I mean, ideally, hopefully you and your spouse rank as compatible because that's that's how you ended up together. But just because you're compatible enough to have fallen in love and decided to get married doesn't mean that there won't still be instances where you are completely incompatible. So reading up on that and having an understanding of, oh, wow, like my brain literally processes it one way but that doesn't mean that that is the only way that it can be processed. So whether it's having a better understanding of your spouse or even just friends, maybe, you know, you have a family member who you just are butting heads with and trying to have a better understanding of that, that concept and studying up on that can make the world of a difference. So number five, thinking outside the box, trying to have like an outside perspective. So what I mean by that is, Sometimes we can have such tunnel vision in our marriage because obviously we are completely in love with this person and we have completely promised and given ourselves to them. Sometimes what that can do is put us in a position of, well, obviously extreme vulnerability, but sometimes it isn't the time or the place to be extremely vulnerable. It isn't always the time to be 100% vulnerable, sensitive. So what I mean by that, and this maybe is just an example for my personality type, hopefully some of you listeners can relate, I can tend to be very, very sensitive and emotional. So there will be certain things that are said that I take so offensively. And when I step back and think about if someone else had said this to me, would I be taking as much offense? And the answer is absolutely not. Like, if someone if someone were to say the same thing to me, it would just be like, well, that's dumb. That's not true. And I wouldn't take offense to it. Whereas when someone who you really, really, really love and care about and you know really, really, really loves you and cares about you, when they say something like that, suddenly this tunnel vision of like, oh my goodness, how dare they say that? They must not love me, on and on and on and on and on. And our thoughts just go absolutely crazy. And we forget about all the other points that I just said, like having the mindset of understanding why that statement might have set you off and having the understanding of temperaments and personality and realizing that what was just said was probably not intended as you took it in your brain. If you think about it, before we're married, you know, our life is essentially divvied out between all these different acquaintances in our life, whether it's family members, coworkers, friends, and so on. And then when we get married, we have the vast majority of our time, our emotional investment, our love, our feelings, our dedication of everything that we do 
committed to this one person. And so to have all to have all of that and to not expect that certain words or actions might be very hurtful would be very naive. Obviously, it's a very different adjustment. And so for me, I know the first year was probably one of the most, like I was so emotional and so sensitive. And I look back and I'm like, oh my goodness, I got offended at the silliest of things just because I essentially was expecting like perfection, which isn't real life. I'm not perfect. So why why was I expecting that, that he would be? Anyway, I think that's actually another number. So I'm going to skip to the next one. Uh, Number six, diving into books and podcasts. So I already touched on this a little bit before saying how it is so often overlooked for people to try to read up on things that might help improve their marriage and basically people only turning to resources when push comes to shove. And instead, we should be diving into resources on a regular basis. But with that said, I just want to mention I think two, I only put a couple of examples, two examples that I have found to be very helpful and that I constantly see recommended, but maybe it hasn't been recommended to you. The first one being the Love and Respect book. That book was very eye-opening to me. Basically, the main gist of that book is the crazy cycle that the author talks about. So basically, us as women tend to react to negative situations with a lack of respect. So whether that's how we say things, what we do or don't say, what we do or don't do, that is our our tendency in general is for women to react to negative situations that we don't like with a lack of respect. And it can even be a very small situation, like say our husband forgot to pick up something that we asked him to pick up. And then we make some comment of like, well, it's not like you ever remember to do things I ask you to do or something like that where we just kind of say it out of frustration and it's a small thing, but it comes across as so disrespectful. And then what the crazy cycle means is that him hearing that, his tendency is to react with a lack of love. So he might say something like, well, it's not like anything you ask is important or something like that which is just kind of his way of being offended by what you said. So he comes back with something and then you hear that and just think, oh my goodness, that's so hurtful. Like to you, that's a total lack of love. And then because of that statement, the lack of love, you come back with something that's even more lacking in respect. And then he comes back with something that's even more lacking in love and so on and so on and so on. So basically your reaction to his lack of love is to give off something with a lack of respect. And his reaction to your lack of respect is to give off something with a lack of love. And therefore, it's a crazy cycle. So that whole book is basically revolved around that and just explaining the male-female differences. And that was very eye-opening to me. I think I actually got it either for my bridal shower or a wedding present. I think it was a wedding present. And I didn't read it for a long time. And I should have read it ahead of time, like I said. Uh, being more proactive about these things instead of waiting until we feel like we need it. So the other book I wanted to recommend is called The Empowered Wife. And there's actually a book as well as a podcast. You could probably listen to uh, a couple episodes of the podcast to kind of get a feel for if it's for you or not. This one I more recently came across. And I've had some people commenting that 
it isn't necessarily for every personality type. And I can totally, totally see that. So if you as a wife are the more introverted, like quiet of the two, then this might not be for you. It really is more for the wife who has kind of controlling tendencies and maybe nagging tendencies, which is totally me, unfortunately. (laughs) So it's called the empowered wife because the focus on it is acknowledging that you are in control of fixing things. And I don't want to say fixing necessarily. I guess I should say improving things. So it takes the focus away from trying to find where your spouse is at fault and instead seeing that you can probably resolve most things by your own actions or potentially lack of actions. Because one of the signature things in this is a term that the author refers to as duct tape. So literally when there's something that maybe you want to say, but it maybe doesn't need to be said, she says duct tape. And I am totally the type of person who needs that reminder. So there's just certain things sometimes that we just don't need to say And that's why it says duct tape. So a good little reminder of certain things that maybe don't need to be said. So I know that's only two book recommendations, but maybe eventually I'll compile a a PDF of more than just that. But moving on to number seven, not expecting perfection from your spouse. So that's what I actually mentioned a couple of numbers ago. But basically, if you think about it, we go through our dating life and then our wedding day and it's almost like you know, there's that honeymoon phase of, oh, everything is rainbows and butterflies and everything's going to be perfect and beautiful and wonderful and one big happily ever after. When really, that's just not life. That's not reality. We are of a fallen human nature from the the sin of Adam. No one is perfect. We ourselves are not perfect and we know that. And yet sometimes it's like we're expecting perfection in our marriage, which just doesn't exist. That's just not how it is. So instead of holding your spouse to this standard of perfection, which you know isn't even accurate, just acknowledging that there are going to be things that they're not going to be perfect at and really discerning whether or not that is something to get caught up on or not. Okay, number eight not comparing your relationship to the highlights of social media. Oh my goodness. So we've heard it said again and again and again, you know, not to compare your life to others. Comparison is a thief of joy and so on. But really, now more than ever, when social media is such a big thing and people always sharing about things, I've even seen firsthand people who I personally know who admit like, oh yeah, what I post on social media is such a big lie. We're totally struggling. I always post like we're doing fine and everything's great, but it's not. And I mean, I get it. Sometimes it just feels good to put off that everything is fine. And maybe in the time that you posted it, everything was fine. Really, this isn't about that. This isn't about whether or not it's okay to post as if everything's great when really it's not because you can post whatever you want. And that's kind of what social media has become is obviously you're going to post the good things and, you know, the really great picture and blah, blah, blah. So not comparing your relationship to the fact that maybe it looks like everyone else is doing just fine. Because obviously, if you think about your own 
problems or whatever that you're going through, those aren't things that you share on social media. So why do you think other people would be sharing theirs? Because they're not. They're going to only post the good things. So don't look at everyone else's situation. And even if you're totally not on social media, this totally also just goes for how you see people in public. They might seem like everything's fine, but really maybe things are really rough at home. So just not getting caught up and comparing yourself. Not only because maybe whatever vibe they're putting off isn't necessarily accurate, but also because you don't know the whole story. So if one friend is telling you that their spouse you know, helps with X, Y, and Z, and you're thinking, gosh, my spouse doesn't do that. Well, maybe something good that your spouse does, their spouse doesn't. So really trying to compare things like that is just totally comparing apples to oranges and is not going to do you any good. Okay, number nine, and I kind of hinted at this with the other one about not expecting perfection from your spouse. Number nine is picking your battles. And I think when we're newlyweds, we tend to think we need to pick every single battle because we're always told, oh, communication, 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 and, you know, say what's on your mind, don't bottle things up, blah, blah, blah. Well, that all refers to, like, the deeper, heavier stuff that really needs addressing. But if there's little things that you just think maybe aren't worth addressing or dealing with because it's really not a big deal then that's where the duct tape thing comes into play. So for me, sometimes there's certain little things, and I think this is probably a lot of husbands and wives, where I see something that wasn't done, let's say certain clothes going into a certain basket or certain cupboards being shut, certain drawers being shut. And I think to myself, goodness, it just, it would take two seconds. Or like the toilet paper thing. That's actually not really a problem in our household, but I know that's a common argument is when people, you know, the toilet paper runs out and you're just using the roll instead of actually putting the new roll onto the to the thingy-majig, whatever the heck it's called. And you think to yourself, goodness, it would have taken you three seconds to just do this. Okay, if it would have taken them three seconds, it's also only going to take you three seconds. So why is it such a big deal? That's how I have always started thinking about those sorts of things. And it has made all the difference. Like really, you view it and you're like, goodness, it would take two seconds. Okay, it would take you two seconds. And I know you might be thinking, well, yes, but I also have the two seconds to put my own clothes in the laundry and the two seconds for this kid and that kid and that kid and I can't be everything for everyone. I get that, I really do. But it also is just a matter of taking a step back and thinking, okay, is this worth making a big deal over? And just really trying to have more of a servant heart and thinking, like, how how was our blessed mother with St. Joseph, who obviously St. Joseph in his fallen human nature was not perfect, and I'm sure had certain things that our blessed mother had to deal with. And I'm sure that most of it, well, all of it, she was perfect. I'm sure she did with a happy heart and a servant heart and wasn't like, Joseph, put your clothes in the laundry basket. <laughs> so I think we need to view these things as an opportunity to earn some graces. And of course, if it is something that is one particular recurring, recurring issue, then maybe it eventually could use some addressing. But for the most part, the little things, or even if it's a bigger thing, but just praying for the grace and the discernment to decide, okay, is this worth making a big deal over or not? Okay, number 10, putting in the dating effort. 
So think about when we're dating, everything is all fun and we're just in this wonderful place in life and everything's happy jolly. And then we get married and we take on a lot more responsibilities. Kids come into play and sometimes that fun, spontaneous, joyful, happy, loving, flirty self is suddenly like a thing of the past. And I hate to say it, but I was totally guilty of that. And I seriously always told myself, oh, that would never be me. Like I'm always, I'm always going to feel this way. I'm always going to feel so head over heels and be all flirty and fun and spontaneous and happy and blah, blah, blah. And truth be told, life just gets more complicated with more kids and, you know, maybe financial stresses and all the different responsibilities that come with being a married couple and raising a family. It really throws a lot of wrenches into what was once the super carefree dating life. But it doesn't mean that that carefree joyfulness or flirtiness can't be still a part of your marriage. It just might mean that it takes a little more proactive effort. And I can say firsthand that it is absolutely doable. It just takes a little more thinking on your part, like literally proactively thinking to yourself, okay, what would the fun flirty dating me do in this instance like literally being being more intentional about being spontaneous and just trying to really keep that spark in the marriage of how things were when you were dating or even you know that first year of your marriage whenever you were in like that honeymoon phase and really trying to just be the joy in the relationship. So whether that's how you are when your spouse comes home from work, whether that's putting more effort into keeping yourself put together and looking presentable for when your spouse comes home or for me personally, that usually happens more toward the beginning of the day because I just feel so much better about myself when I look and feel put together. But I know some people actually struggle with that. They struggle like, oh, why should I put myself together? Like I'm just, I'm already married and there's no one to impress, blah, 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 which is so not how it should be. You should still be having that dating mindset of always trying to be attractive for your spouse, not just physically, but, you know, emotionally and having that, having that desire to grow in the relationship and not just settle for, okay, we're married, it is what it is now, but constantly trying to make them fall more and more in love with you and vice versa. So hopefully of those 10, at least a few of them stood out to you. I'm going to also bullet point them in the show notes just because I know sometimes going through them you might have forgotten something that I said. So I'll bullet point them in the show notes, but also please join our Facebook community. I am always looking for new members. I'll link that in my show notes here and I hope to see you there and I hope this helped you. Hey friend, I know your time is valuable, so I sincerely appreciate you tuning in today. If you feel so inclined, I always appreciate reviews on the podcast and I will always welcome shout outs on social media. My Instagram handle as well as private Facebook community are both linked in the show notes. Or what would be the most helpful is if you could just keep me and my mission here with the Crunchy Catholic in your prayers. I would appreciate that above all else. And of course, you my friends are always in my prayers. God bless you.